Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. You ready to hear a word from God today? Me too, me too. Um, We've been talking about what's next in our lives, what's next for you, that everyone has a next step. And I love church. I'm a church guy. I grew up in it, thankful for my parents taking me, even though I didn't want to go many times. And I just want to let you know right now, however long you've been going to church, you are not getting the most out of church if being here just gets you excited, if being here just gets you emotional. If being here just gets you inspired, because ultimately God wants your being here to get you moving, to get you going, to get you forward, so that you don't stay where you are in life or in relationship with him for too long, because I'm coming with a promise for you in this series, and that promise is this, that whatever you've experienced in life and whatever you've experienced from God, there is more. Someone say more. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Nobody can promise you this like God can promise you this. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably, say it with me, more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. There is more. Today if you were to ask me what my favorite food is, I would tell you that my favorite food is a good steak. Emphasis on good steak. Because I've had some bad steak, I've had some okay steak, and I've had some good steak. Where my steak people at? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, a no shade on Outback. No shade on Golden Corral. No shade on IHOP steak and eggs. No shade. You don't go to a pancake for steaks. You know what I'm just saying? You don't, no shade on that. I just, I've had some really great steaks, and now I have to tell the difference because I've grown, I've matured. When I was a kid, you know, my, cul- my culinary highlight when I was a kid was ketchup and A1 steak sauce. I used to put that on everything. I put it on my rice. I put it on my pancakes. I put it on my eggs. I put it on my pateles. I put it on everything, everything. But I stopped doing it when I took it so much and I ate it so much, I got tired of it. I got sick of it. I got bored of it. And my heart breaks because I know that there are people who feel the same way except about life. Who feel the same way except about the things of God. I, I, I know God is good and I know life is worth living. But if I'm honest, there's a part of me that's tired of it. There's a part of me that's sick of it. There's a part of me that's bored with it. I'm just trying to, and you're starting to look for things outside of God to fill the thing inside of you that is void and empty and the, the deficit that is in your heart. And I just want to encourage you today one simple promise there is more within God for you and your life. And what you have to do is not serve another God or necessarily go to another church. You just need to take another step. Just another step. You've been at the place where you've been for too long and there is something next for you. There is growth for you. There is more for you. We illustrated this more. We illustrated this growth with a, with a graphic. A graphic here. And we said that growth is like this. It's a cycle. And it was important that we illustrated this because there are three principles from growth that you need to know. And the first principle is that not every step down is a step back. 
Sometimes you can fail in life. You can make mistakes, and that doesn't mean that you should kick yourself or beat yourself up, especially the more mature you are as a Christian, the more shame you feel. But you need to understand that you can fail forward. That when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died to make you finish, like I preached a couple weeks ago, but not perfect. And so I'm going to keep failing sometimes, and I'm going to fail forward, but I don't have to fail backwards. So don't let every mistake destroy your faith. When you understand this principle of growth, it keeps you from shame. It keeps you from shame. Another thing you got to understand about growth is that it's a circle. It never ends. It's a movie reference you obviously haven't seen. So, but, um, and, and that's important to know. When you understand that it's never ending, listen, understanding that not every step down is a step back keeps you from shame. Understanding that it never ends keeps you teachable. Got to stay teachable in life. Got to understand that, that you, never hit, you never hit the end of your growth journey. You never hit the end of your development. There's always more you can learn. There's always more you can step into. And the fact that we're all in it means that we all have a next step, which is the third principle of growth that we shared last week. And that important truth that we're all in it and that we all have a next step doesn't just keep you from shame, doesn't just keep you teachable. It keeps you moving. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what swamp or muck of life you are stuck in. I'm just trying to encourage you, keep it moving. Keep going. Keep growing. God has more for you. There are four circles on this whiteboard because there are four steps to your growth. Those four steps come straight from God. I didn't make them in the lab of my, my library they come from the Bible. The very first step, we talked about it last week, is to know God personally. That's the first step, to know God personally. In life, in your relationship with God, it starts there. This is also known as salvation. Somebody say salvation. Do you need to know that word? I don't know. I just, I spent a lot of money on this Bible degree, and I want to use some of the words that I learned so that you can learn salvation. And it's important for you to understand that salvation is not just, oh, that means I don't go to hell. It's better than that. Salvation doesn't mean, okay, now I'm just, a, I'm a good person now because I'm saved. No, you're not a good person now that you're saved. Listen, before you got saved, you was a dirty sinner. Now that you got saved, you're a dirty saint, okay? We're always in process. We're never perfect. Not until we get to heaven. Here's what salvation is. Simply put, salvation is you didn't have a relationship with Jesus before, and now you do. And through that relationship, eternal life is given. And through that relationship, the transformation of my behavior comes to fruition. But it's through that relationship. That is salvation, to know God, to have a relationship with him. Now, the second step is important. But before I get to the second step, I need to tell you where we get these steps from. I said the Bible. You should probably be more specific than the Bible. And uh, more specifically speaking, we get these first steps from a lot of places in the Bible. But early on in the Bible, we get it in the story of the Exodus. If you're not familiar with the story of the Exodus, the story of the Exodus is the story of God's people leaving bondage, leaving slavery, leaving Egypt, where they were bound for over 400 years. And then they get saved, and that's literally what happens. I want to talk about their journey around the cycle, and I'll relate it to you uh, and, and to me. The people have been slaves for over 400 years. It was not good. Uh, but then while they were slaves, they got saved by a deliverer. A deliverer came. His name was Moses, and he saved them with a wooden, by carrying a wooden staff. And then after he saved them through miracles, he brought them through the Red Sea. The Red Sea split in half. The water split in half. 
and that became a picture and an image of their new birth. That also became a message to the whole world. The whole world heard about the Red Sea, and God's fame spread on from that point. And now, most importantly, the people know God. They didn't know God before, but now after they come out to the Red Sea, they know God. This is why Moses, when he was sent to the people of Israel to deliver them, said, who should I tell them sent me? Because the people are praying to you, but they don't know you. You can pray to God and not know God. You can pray to God and not have a relationship with God. Now, let me draw the similarities between that story and our story of salvation. We were slaves. We were slaves not to Egypt. We were slaves to sin and to death, but a deliverer came. He wasn't carrying a wooden staff. He was carrying a wooden cross. And on that wooden cross, he did miracles for us that set us free, except he didn't take us through the waters of the Red Sea for our new birth. He took us through the waters of baptism. And when we came out of the baptism waters, we were showing the world that we were born again, and the world heard our message. And now everybody knows that God is real because of the transformation that he did in my life. This is the similarity. Now, the second step is important, and it's the most hardest, and it's my disclaimer for you guys. Because the people had been slaves for 400 years, they had picked up some bad habits. They had picked up some bad behaviors. They had picked up some false identities. And like the old preacher once said, this is really good. You've heard it in church probably a thousand times. If not, glad that I'd be the first to say it, but I didn't invent it. The old preacher said, now that God had gotten the people out of Egypt, now he needed to get Egypt out of the people. This is the second step of your growth journey. God undoing all the things from that old life, and it never ends. That old life, that old man, that old woman, who you were before Jesus. In this step, God is trying to set you free from the bad habits and the past hurts and the trauma and the unhealthy mentalities that were stuck in our life. One of the things I talked about when I drew this on the board was I talked about problems. And I talked about that in life, you have problems. And when you have a problem, you research the problem. And then after you research the problem, you find a solution. After you find a solution, you have to execute the solution. But any business person will tell you that the moment you execute the solution to the old problem, the solution creates a new problem. And this is life, by the way. Problem after problem after problem. I laugh about it because some people think they have problems because they have problems. And I'm just like, you don't have a problem, that's life. Life is problem after problem. The only time you have a problem when you have problems is if you keep going around the same problem. If you got new problems, if you got new problems, you're growing. If you spent last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years around the same problem, you're stuck. And that is the problem that Jesus came to solve with this second step of your journey. You are caught in a cycle. You're caught in a cycle of unhealthy thinking, caught in a cycle of addiction, caught in a cycle of behavior, caught in a cycle of insecurity, caught in a cycle of social anxiety, caught in a cycle of depression. It doesn't seem how you can get free. This is step two. If step one is to know God personally, step two, which is here for you today, step two, and it's also the title of my message, is to break the cycle. Break the cycle. I'm believing that God is going to break the cycle in your life today. And there's another big word we have for this. Again, I'm just trying to put my Bible degree to work, but this, uh, this other word we have, it's not salvation, it's called sanctification. Sanctification means to be separate from, to be taken out of us for a special purpose, to put a cease to and to start anew. God wants you to be sanctified. And he doesn't just want you to be sanctified because he wants you to start wearing long skirts to church. 
He doesn't want you to be sanctified because he wants you to take your earrings off. He doesn't want you to be sanctified because he wants you to come with no makeup. You can tell the kind of church I grew up in. He doesn't want you to be sanctified because he wants to change the music that you listen to. No, no. He wants you to be sanctified so that you can have the best life possible. He wants you to be sanctified because he's got this place called the promised land for you. And it's this life full of joy. And it's this life full of peace. And it's this life full of hope. But if you don't get things in your life right, the character that you have will not be able to sustain the blessings that God pours out in your life. And so God's got to get you. God can't just give you the land. He has to prepare you for the land. I wrote it like this. God loves you too much to help you attain what your character cannot maintain. I love my son too much to give them a cell phone right now. I'm not saying I won't when they're 15 or 14 or 12, but right now he nine. I'm not going to give a nine-year-old unfiltered, unsupervised access to the internet 24-7. I don't even have unfiltered access to the internet 24 I got screen time. I got blockers. I'm 36 years old and speaking tongues. If I got blockers, for sure my nine-year-old needs blockers. And so I'm not going to give it to him, even though it's awesome, even though it's great, it might not be good for him where he is right now. Do you understand that blessings can become burdens if you don't have the right character, if you don't have the right skills, if you don't have the right heart, if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't have the right paradigm, if you don't have the right attitude. If God gives you a house, but you got a stewardship problem, your house can become a hassle. Lord, give me a house. Lord, give me a house. It'd be great to have a house. And then what? Then you spend $5,000 to fix your AC after it breaks because you couldn't spend $10 in 10 minutes to replace the air filter. Because you never learned that when you were renting. So God's not going to give you something that you're going to break and end up costing you more on the backside. Are you following me? If God gives you money but you have a spending problem, your cash will become a curse. Money's just a magnifier. Whatever problems you had when you were broke, you got times 10 when you got money. If God gives you a platform but you have a humility problem, that platform's just going to produce pride that ends up destroying your life. God's not going to do that to you. If God gives you a spouse, but you got a wandering eyes problem, your boo can become a burden. Your boo can become a boo-boo if you're not careful. So God's not going to give you something that you're going to spoil, that you're going to mess up, that you're going to ruin. He has to develop the character in you so that you can have all the things that you want, so you can experience that more. I wrote it like this. Salvation is about us going from death to life. But sanctification is about us going from alive to living. Man, he wants you to live. I hope you hear me today. It's not about rules, y'all. I, I, can't, I, I hate it when my kids look at all the rules that I put in their life and they go, you just don't want me to have fun. I tell my kid, put your seatbelt down when we get in the car. You just don't want me to be free. I'm like, no, I, I, you gotta, I don't want you to go through the windshield if we stop short. When you're a child, you blame every rule on your parent trying to steal your joy. It's not until you become an adult that you realize, I've been trying to save your life this whole time. God is not out there to steal your joy. He wants you to have the best life possible. And though he designed life and he knows how to live it, and if you follow his rules, you will have the best life ever. Ever. So I believe in today is going to be a day of deliverance. A day of, we've had so many technical difficulties today. I'm not supposed to be preaching with this mic. I'm supposed to be preaching with a headset. Headset went down. Cameras went down. Everything went down. I was so mad. Our campus pastor, Pastor Jenny, she was like, what are you preaching about today? I'm like, deliverance. She's like, well, then it's your fault. Everything's breaking. 
because I don't think the devil wants you to hear this message. I think he wants to keep you in the cycle. I think he wants to keep you bound. I think he wants to keep you in chains. I think he wants to keep you trapped. But I'm declaring prophetically over your life today there's going to be freedom. There's going to be a breakthrough. A new cycle is going to begin in your life. If you believe it, say amen. All right, all right. Keep that same energy for my first point. Because we all want freedom, but we might want to pay what it costs. First, first point is if you want to be free, if you want to break the cycle, first thing you need is discipline. And I don't mean self-discipline. That's not what I mean. I, I mean the other kind of discipline. And I don't know how to say it in English, so I'll just say it in Spanish, and then I'll translate it from my non-Spanish friends. When I say discipline, I mean pow pow. <laughs> All my Spanish friends are laughing. My white and black friends are like, translate. I understand? When, when I was grew up, pow pow is like, psh, psh. pow pow is spanking. But like, I don't know how it happened. I think there was a Spanish grandma that moved from Puerto Rico somewhere, and as she got here, she turned on the TV, saw Batman. <laughs> and it was like, pow, pow. And she was like, that's what I'm going to do to you. And so over the years, pow, pow became pow, pow. And so that's how it is in Spanish homes, man. They love you different. They love you different. My grandma loved me real creative. She loved me with sandals. <laughs> she loved me with extension cords. <laughs> She loved me with hangers. She loved me. She loved me. She, lo she loved me. <laughs> she loved me. <laughs> it was discipline, but it was love. It was pop out. And I need you to know that sometimes God steps into this role with us for us. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years. Can I just take a pause right there? It said he led them through the wilderness. Why we give God so much slack for what he put us through, but then don't give him no phrase for what, praise for what he got us through. I can't believe you put me through that. I can't believe you put me through that. I can't believe you. Will you chill? I got you through it, didn't I? The verse didn't say he put them through the desert. It says I led you through the desert. I led you through the wilderness. I put you through something, but I got you through something. And I didn't do it to be mean. And I didn't do it to be cruel. That's another thing. Whenever I punish my kids, they're like, you like it. I try and tell them all the time, I don't like it. I don't get joy out of seeing you crying. Kids, teenagers, as much as you hate to believe it, it makes us sad to make you sad. But why don't they just let me do what I want to do? Because we also want to keep you alive. It's, it's a balance. How do I make you happy and keep you alive? <laughs> it's not fun for me. I'm doing it for a reason. Put the verse back up. It said, I'm putting you through it, but I'm doing it to humble you, test you, and prove your character. I need to do this for you because you think you got yourself out of Egypt. And you didn't. I'm the one that delivered you. God says, I'm the one that rescued you. And so I got to sometimes put you in situations to remind you who's God in this relationship. And that's discipline. That's not always fun. But sometimes God has to discipline to remind us of that. And just because it hurts and just because it's not fun, don't be mad at the Lord. He didn't leave you. Don't confuse God's discipline for his abandonment. Just because he spanked you doesn't mean he hates you. Just because he put you through something doesn't mean he's left you. No, no, no. He led you through it. He walked with you through it. He cried when you cried. He walked with you the entire time. Verse 3. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. But look what it says. And then what? And then feeding you. Yeah, you went hungry, but then I fed you. Listen, I'm with you. There's not a person in this room that doesn't want to get paid more. But you got food in your fridge, right? But you got clothes on your back, right? But your kids got sneakers, right? But you got a roof over your head, right? 
Yeah, 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 I haven't had all the financial blessings my whole life, but then he fed me. He let me go hungry, and then he fed me to teach me that my life isn't going to be lived on bread alone. Look at that. But by every word, that, to teach you that money is the tool of your provision, not your provision. That I'm the one that provides for you through money, but don't praise money, praise me, because I'm the one who provides the money. And, and sometimes I got to take money for you to remember that. I need to take money and you still, and you still, you can still pay the bills. I need to take money and you still make your car payments. I need to take money and you still got gas in your car so that you can finally see it's not money that provides for you. It's God who provides for you. Next verse. For all those 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister. I didn't leave you. Look at verse 5. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. If you've been coming to Journey Church for any bit of time, you know I'm very open about my struggles, and I've been very open about a recent struggle that I've been having at home, and that is getting my kids to bed on time. It's been a fight. They're 9 and 11, and we've tried a lot of things. We've tried manipulating curfew. We've tried threatening to take away video games, to take away the video games. Most recently, we turned to push-ups. That didn't work. My kids got pecs, but that didn't work. <laughs> Finally, we found the solution. So this is a free parenting seminar, no cost. Uh, I'll share with you what we learned for our current parents, future would-be parents, something that really helped our boys get to bed on time. And I know it's going to seem counterintuitive, but the trick for us in our home was we decided that we were going to let them fail. Yeah, because... What I used to do was 30 minutes before bedtime, I'd be like, 30 minutes before bedtime. And then 20 minutes before bedtime, I'd be like, 20 minutes before bedtime. And then 10 minutes before bedtime, I'd be like, 10 minutes before bedtime. And then five minutes before bedtime, I'd be like, five minutes before bedtime. And then they didn't make bedtime. And it became a whole thing. So now I tell my wife, I said, listen, we're just going to have to step back. We're just going to let them keep the eye on the clock themselves. And so now I see the clock. And while the clock is going down, I'm suffering. I'm trying to, like, manipulate the conversation. Like, I'm, having, I'm speaking to them in front of the clock. You know, like, yeah, is everything good? Everything okay? Cool. You did everything? Awesome. Yeah. I don't know if you've done everything, but you've done everything? Yeah, okay. And then, and then, it, then it passes 8 o'clock, which is their bedtime. Oh, man, guys, I guess you got a strike. The strike is our whole system that we have. It's another thing I'll preach about one day. But, guys, you guys got a strike. And then they look at me. Oh, no. Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? You should have told me. Why didn't you let me go? Why did you? Because I had a shift, son. I was so concerned about you getting to bed. All I cared about was the behavior. If I'm honest, I just wanted to get to bed in time. I just was trying to affect the behavior because the sooner that you and your brother get to bed, mommy and daddy get to bed. <laughs> so I was just focused on the behavior, but it was never working. So I had to shift my attention from the behavior to the heart issue. The behavior is bedtime, but the heart issue is responsibility. And by me telling them how close they were getting to bedtime, I wasn't teaching them how to be responsible to keep track of the time themselves. All I wanted them was to obey. I wasn't trying to teach them. I wasn't trying to teach them the things that they would need to succeed in life beyond me. You know why God lets you go wild sometimes? Because he's not after your behavior. He's after your heart. And he knows that if he lets you get what you want, the consequences of that, listen, I wrote it like this. God will never let you down, but he will sometimes let you fail. 
He will let you fail. He will let you fail and he will get, because when God really wants to punish you, he doesn't send a lightning bolt. When God really wants to punish you, he doesn't give you cancer. When God really wants to punish you, he gives you what you want. The thing that he's been trying to keep you from, to save you from, to protect you from, to guard you from. You keep fighting for it. You keep going after it. Go ahead. Have it. Take it. Go for it. And then when your heart gets broken into a thousand pieces because that guy was, that's why he let you date him even though he knew he was bad for you. Even though your mama told you he wasn't good for you and she likes everyone. Because he wasn't trying to teach you obedience, he was trying to teach you discernment. To be able to determine a good person from a bad person, someone who served God from someone who doesn't serve God. And when you experience the consequences of your own choices, heart lessons get learned. Heart lessons get learned. This is why you got sick when you was working seven days a week, sleeping five hours a night. And then you get mad at God. Why didn't you protect my immune system? Why wasn't you vitamin Ding it up? Why didn't you up my white blood count? God was like, no, I, I allowed you to get sick so that you can learn the consequences of working and not resting. Had I not allowed you to get sick, it wouldn't have been your healthy loss. It would have been your family. So I had to intervene, and I allowed you to get sick so you could learn to rest. Amen? Anybody like me kind of happy when you get sick? Because <laughs> you kind of needed that rest. <laughs> You're like, Lord, heal me. It's not today. It's been a long day. <laughs> I got a test today. I got some work today. Heal me tomorrow, Lord. <laughs> I need the break. Opposite. Maybe you don't work hard. Maybe you're lazy. That's why you're, a bunch of unpaid bills just started piling up. God is allowing you to experience the consequences so that you can learn the lesson. I had a conversation with a, uh, someone who used to be in my youth group when I was a youth pastor way back in the day. My dad texted me. and said, hey, this guy, do you remember him? I said, yeah, I remember him. He said, he wants to talk to you, but it has to be set at a certain time. I'm like, what kind of lifestyle does this guy have that it has to be set at a certain time? I'll just call him when I can call him. And they said, no, you don't stay. He's in jail. Which I was, to that, I was like, great youth pastor. I was in fail. Uh, and uh, and uh, I said, I said um, well, okay, then I'll, I'll, I'll talk, give me the number. Because, you know, if you talk to somebody in jail, it just can't be whenever you want. It's got to be like certain time, certain number, you got to call. So I, he gave me the code and everything, and we called. Or he called me, I picked up, and then we start talking. And he, he's 21, and uh, he got in there at 18. He did something not too good, and he'd been locked up for three years at 18. I can't imagine not having freedom for three years. Some people have been in a lot longer. And as we're talking, he begins to tell me about how while he was in jail, he got radically saved. He met Jesus, like, in a powerful, powerful way. And uh, by the same time, his family, who used to be my pastors, they all fell away from God. Their relationship with God kind of ceased and stopped to exist while his faith was going to the next level. And so right before we were going to hang up, which I didn't, like I had to, because I had never been on the phone with somebody from jail before. So like this like robot comes on. It's like, you got three minutes left to finish your conversation. I'm like, what can I pray for you, bro? What can I pray for you? And, uh, and he was like, he said this. He said, don't pray for me. Pray for my family. That's what he said next. He says, because I'm more free than they are. He said, he said, JJ, he said, it took, it took jail. It took discipline to teach me to be free. Pray for them. 
And what's really cool about the story is he's finally going to get released. He's going to get released either this year or next year. And since all his other family fell away from Christ, and his grandmother, who's been running the church, called him up, saw the impact that God has been having on his life, and said, listen, the moment you get out, you're going to be the pastor of this next church. And so now a 22-year-old is going to lead a congregation. We actually have somebody from Journey in the Jail who's with us today who just got released, our friend Patrick, who's here today. Amen. Awesome to have you, man. Listen, sometimes, sometimes it takes discipline to learn to be free. That's how it is. Here's the other one. This, is, this other one's going to be tough too, but I promise the last two are fun. But this one is hard also. If you want to be free, if you want to break the cycle, here's what you need. Not just discipline, the pow pow. You also need the Holy Spirit and hard work. The Holy Spirit and hard work together. Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my dear friends, continue to work out. Somebody say work out. I work out. Your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in. Somebody say work in. He works in you to will you and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. What a great Great scripture that balances it so beautifully. So who works out, you or God? That's right. Us, I, me, we, all acceptable answers. Who works in? You work out, God works in. So here's how that works. You have to work out. Don't expect the moment you get saved, okay, to you to write a letter to God and be like, okay, God, now I need freedom from this thing in my life. And God's like, it's on the way. Freedom is, is not an Amazon package. I wrote it like this. Don't expect deliverance to be delivered. It's not coming in the mail just because you decided to give your life to Jesus. And I can tell all of my grace Christians are like, that's heresy. Jesus does it all. Actually, the Bible says that faith without deeds is dead. And Paul right there said, you got to work it out while he works in to guard your salvation. It's, it's, there's a thing that you have to do. There's a part of it that is yours. You can't just sit back. I'm just waiting for God's. I'm a work in progress, pastor. The key word should be progress and work. Work in progress can't be you sitting down, not doing nothing, not going to therapy, not reading your Bible, not praying, not going to the gym, not getting in a small group, not serving on a team. You can't do nothing and ask God to do everything. He loves you too much to not teach you how to work out. However, at the same time, listen, you can't do it just on your own. You can't just do it just by yourself. I wrote it like this. Don't expect self-discipline to defeat self. It won't happen. The Bible says that a house divided among itself cannot stand. You're never going to self-will yourself out of sin. You're never going to be like, you tried it. It didn't work. You know? You go over to the house late at night. We're just going to watch TV. And I, what, what, what happens if something happens? No, no, no. I got this down. I got a rubber band. And every time she gets close, I'm going to, come on. Now you left. <laughs> Still sin, and your wrist is swollen. <laughs> Still gave in, and your wrist. Self cannot defeat self. You can't. It's a comp. You don't just need willpower. You need his power. You need both. I'm going to give you an example of it through this illustration right here. 
put my Bible on the floor. Cameras, you got me? All right, stay with me. You got me? Okay. So here we go. How does it work? What do you mean? How does that work? How's the combination? All right, here's the combination. I'm going to start working out. I'm working out. All right, boom. I'm doing push-ups. My pecs, are, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it in my triceps. I've never said pecs so often in a sermon before in my life. My back, I feel it. My ab is engaged. I can feel it. I'm working it out. I can feel it. Sup, girl? <laughs> Talking to my wife, by the way. It's totally legal. That's it. But now look at me. Listen, I'm working out. All my muscles are being worked that you can see. You can see my triceps. You can see my shoulders. You can see my abs. You can see my chest. But there's one muscle you can't see me. You can't see that's in me that is working in while I'm working out. What muscle is that? That's right, my heart. Now, here's the thing about the heart. Even though you see me working out, if my heart stopped pumping, my heart is the thing that even allows me to work out. If my heart was not pumping, I could not be working. Are you tracking me? My heart is the thing that gives me the ability to work out. The Holy Spirit is what gives you the ability to want to be good. You wouldn't even want to be good. You wouldn't even try to be good if the Holy Spirit did not get in your heart. This is why I warn people when they get saved, you better be sure before you get saved because if you get saved, it's going to ruin sin for you. You're going to go to the club and be complaining. It's too dark in here. That strobe light hit too hard. This alcohol tastes funny. Why is she all up on me? I don't understand. This club is whack, no. What happened between last time and this time? You got saved. The Holy Spirit got inside of you and he changed your desires and he changed your will and he shifted you and he changed you. That's what the Holy Spirit, he's working in you that allows you to work out. Woo, but, <laughs> but as I'm working out, something's happening on the inside of me. What's happening on the inside of me? My heart. Somebody please tell me what's happening. My heart's beating what? Okay, so your heart is why you do what you do. But what you do affects your heart. One last thing and then I'll stop and pass out. The Holy Spirit is why you do what you do. But what you do affects the Holy Spirit. Hold on. The Holy Spirit gives me the ability to do good. But if I keep choosing to do bad, my choices affect the Holy Spirit's actions in my life. You get saved, you watch porn. The moment you watch it, you get convicted. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict, to change, and to transform. But the more you watch it, the less you get convicted. The moment you get angry and you lose it at somebody after you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes. You'll calm down. You're a Christian now. My bad. My bad. But the more often you do it, they deserved it. When you gossip after you get saved, it feels bad. It feels like sin. It feels dirty. But the more you do it, the quieter the Holy Spirit gets and the louder. Well, I'm just speaking the truth. But the more you pray. And the more you come to church, 
and the more you get in small group, and the more you go to therapy, and the more you work it out, something happens to the Holy Spirit inside of you. His voice gets stronger. His power gets stronger. His transformation gets stronger. He gives you the ability, but your work increases the power that he has inside of you to transform you. It's a combination. And when you understand that, you can stop blaming God for not working out while you're supposed to be working out. While he works in, God, why are you not changing me? Bro, I, the only reason you want to change is because I'm working in you. But now I need you to take some action. That action is going to impact my spirit, and my spirit is going to impact your action. What do you mean? You can't change God? God never changes. I didn't say that he changes. I said he affects the way he works in your life. Look at Ephesians 4.30. Just go straight to verse 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You can do things to please him and you can do things to grieve him. Your work affects his work and his work affects your work. But when the both combine, transformation happens. Transformation happens. Amen. I want to speak to people who wrestle with anxiety. You need both. Holy Spirit starts by giving you hope. But if you watch the news 24-7 and get five hours of sleep, what do you think that does to the Holy Spirit? That's not going to feed him. But if you do the work, go through the counseling, get the eight hours of sleep, remove the caffeine trigger, God will work on your heart if you do the work. To people trying to break generational cycles of poverty, do the work. The Holy Spirit will give you a plan. The Holy Spirit will bring you conviction in your life when it comes to money. The Holy Spirit will help you. Listen, if you're willing to sell your sneaker collection. Hey, ladies said amen. Fellas are like, that's not the Lord. It's not God. I can never sell them. Of course, not until the Holy Spirit gives you worth beyond material possessions. But once he does that, and you start to realize that you don't need to look fly, to have him, to have hope, to be, to be worth something. And then you start setting up a budget. And you know, you know the budget's working. When you set up the budget, listen, and then you go buy a $6 cup of coffee and you feel convicted. Anybody who knows what I'm talking about, you do financial peace for the first time, you go to Starbucks, you spend $6 on a cup of coffee, you're like, ah, what do I feel like I just slept with somebody, like it wasn't married to... That was bad. That was bad. And it's the Holy Spirit. Like, all right, I'm going to do the work. If you, That's what you asked me to do. You asked me to, tra to, ch to change you, to transform you. So now I'm going to bring conviction when you step out of the line for the best life ever. Because that's what I'm going for. The last two. The last two steps. Last two steps. Listen, and this one, this, these last two are the ones that really did it for me. I always did the first two. The last two, it wasn't until I did these last two that everything changed with me in my life. Number three, get honest with a friend. Get honest with a friend. You have to get honest. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When you confess your sins to God, you are forgiven. But when you confess your sins to each other, you are healed. You need somebody in your life you can open up to about your struggles. And I say friend, and I put quotation marks on friends because sometimes we call people friends that are not friends. We need people in our life that are God-fearing, that are not going to judge you, but they're also not going to let you stay where you are.
Where can I find these people? You can find them on a team, which is why a big step is important. You can find them in a small group. That's why getting in groups is important. You need somebody in here that you hang out with out there. I can help you find that person. We can help you find that person. Gotta get on it. That was when everything changed with me, when I was finally open with my wife about my addiction that I've had for over 15 years. And you know why it took me 15 years? Because I believed the lie that just me and God can work this out. Have you ever believed that lie? I just work this out between me and God. Don't nobody need to be in my business. Don't nobody need to know what go. He sees it. He knows it. He died for it. It's okay. Uh-uh. I mean, if all you want to do is be forgiven, then just work it out between you and God. But if you want to be freed, you're going to need God and people in your life. I don't know about you. I don't just want to be forgiven. I want to be free. That was when it all shifted for me. And here's the last one. Here's the last one. I said the last one was fun, but it's not. It's probably just as depressing as the first three. But I promise you they work. I'm standing here. I never thought I'd be able to say saved and free. I never thought I'd be able to say that. And I'm telling you, these four, and they're from the Bible. Everything I've given you is scripture. This is going to break the cycle. Here's the last one. We talked. We talked about hard work. And the Holy Spirit, we talked about discipline. We talked about getting honest with the friend. Here's the last one. And this isn't just sin. This is mindsets, paradigm shifts. We need to break all those things. Depression, insecurity, all these things. We're going to break the cycle of that. Here's the last one. Fear. Last one. Time. I know. A little anticlimactic. Numbers chapter 32, verse 13. The Lord was angry with Israel and made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the entire generation that sinned in the Lord's sight had died. You know what I was always taught in Bible school or in Sunday school? That God put the people in the desert for 40 years to teach them so that they could learn. And while I do believe that there's an aspect of that is true, that's not what this verse says right here. It said that he had them in the desert for 40 years until they all died. Now, who's dying? The old generation. Not old as in years, but the generation that grew up in slavery. The generation that grew up with a slavery mentality. God is saying that old person that used to live a certain way needs to die before you can keep moving and keep growing. So why 40 years and not four minutes? God could have done it. I'll tell you why. Because it takes time. I think God's trying to tell us it takes time for things to die. It takes time for habits to break. It takes time for mindsets to shift. It takes time for trauma to heal. Some things just take time. And you can say what you want about the Israelites. I think I'm proud of them. I mean, I know they weren't perfect. I know they made a lot of mistakes. They had that thing with the golden calf. And they wild out in a bunch of other ways. But you know what I love about them? With all the craziness that they went through, here's one thing they never did. They never went back to Egypt. Well, Pastor, didn't they threaten to go back and you never threatened to stop coming to church? And you never threatened to stop serving God? But you're here, right? You didn't do it, right? They threatened, but they kept, they never went back let me help you if you're wrestling with the time one here's my last thing to break the cycle of the same problem stay in the cycle of the same promise
I don't feel like I'm going to be free. I don't feel free. I don't look free, Lord. Am I free? I don't know, but here's what I do know. I'm going to stay in your promise until I experience the promise of your freedom. I'm going to stay worshiping you until I'm free. I'm going to stay praising you until I'm free. I'm going to stay coming to church until I'm free. I'm going to stay getting in a small group until I'm free. I'm going to stay being generous until I'm free. I'm going to stay serving until I'm free. My relationship doesn't feel like it's getting any better, but I'm going to keep coming home until it is. I'm going to keep loving him until he is. I'm going to keep serving her and providing her until he is. My body doesn't feel healed, but I'm going to keep taking the medicine until it is. I'm going to keep going to the doctor until it is. I'm going to keep working out and reading right until it is. Because I got promises in my life I'm holding on to and I'm staying in. I got got problems, but I got promises. So I'm going to stay in this promise. I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm not going back to the old me. I'm not going back to the old life. I'm not going back to the old sin. I'm not going back to the old mindset. I'm not going back to the old addictions. I'm not going back to me pre-Jesus. Uh-uh, not pre-Jesus. I'll die after Jesus. But I'm not going back to me pre-Jesus. That was hell. I'm staying here. The, the desert might not be no paradise, but it for sure ain't no Egypt. So I'll stay in the desert with you if you stay with me in the desert until we get to the promised land. Because you made a promise over my life. And I'm going to keep walking. And I'm going to keep heading out. And I'm going to keep moving. And I'm going to keep growing. And I'm going to keep loving. And I'm going to keep believing. And I'm going to keep ripping up my hands. And I'm going to keep shouting. And I'm going to keep clapping. And I'm going to keep raising my voice. Until you do everything in my life that you said you would do. Until you break every chain that you said that you would break. Until you pour down every blessing you said that you would pour down. Until you heal every wound you said you would heal. Until you lay out every door that you said you would lay out. Until you accomplish every dream you gave me in the night I'm not going back I'm not going back I'm not going back bow your head close your eyes would you pray some version of that right now I'm not going back I'm not going back I'm not going back I'm not going back I'm not going somebody needs to hear that right now caught in a cycle I'm not going back I'm not going back I'm not going back I don't know when I'll change I don't know when it'll break but I'm not going back 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 I'm not going back. I'm going to stay here in this cycle until this cycle breaks. I'm going to stay here in this problem until the promise comes through fruition. I'm not leaving. I'm not going. I'm not retreating. I'm moving forward until everything that he said he would do in my life is done in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're caught in a cycle, I believe there's a spirit of deliverance happening right here, right now. On the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand if you're in this room and you're caught in a cycle. It could be a cycle of insecurity, of fear, of worry. I feel like somebody's worried about money in the room today and you've always been worried about money. Your parents have been worried about money. There's a cycle of illness, maybe a generational curse that's been passed down from father to son, from father to son. Maybe there's an addiction. If you're in this room right now and you're ready to break the cycle, on three, I want you to raise your right hand to God so I can see you and pray for you. One, two, three. You're ready to break the cycle. You're ready to break the cycle. Come on. 
So many hands. If your hand's not up, but you need this, don't you feel embarrassed? There are hundreds of hands right now. Hundreds of hands. With your hands held high, I want you to close your eyes and begin to speak to Jesus while I pray for you. Father, I see every hand. You see every hurt. I see every palm. You see every promise. I see every tear. You see every trauma. You see every trial. In the name of Jesus, I declare deliverance right now. Breakthrough right now. Healing right now. Demons gotta go. Devils gotta run. Spirits gotta flee. Addictions gotta break. Insecurities gotta be mended right now. Healing's gotta flow right now. Financial breakthrough right now. No more poverty. No more, no more holding that down for me and my kids. No more worry. I feel worry right now. Shattering on the ground. No more worry. I'm a worship. I lift up my hands in Jesus' name. Freedom reigns. Freedom reigns. Freedom reigns. The cycle is broken. The cycle is broken with me and my children. The cycle is broken. No more. No more. No more. The cycle is broken in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let the Holy Spirit free you right now. Deliverance right now. In Jesus' name. Spirits are flying out of this place. In Jesus' name. I believe it. 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 God is doing something powerful. We're going to hear testimonies about today. Freedom coming to families right now. I got one more prayer. I got one more prayer. If you're in this room and you haven't taken step one, you haven't gone a relationship with Jesus, you haven't started one yet, today is your moment right now to begin one so that you can break the cycle. Remember, it's not about praying. It's about knowing God, having a relationship with him. And there are a lot of people here today that I think maybe don't know him like you want to know him. So if you're in this room and you want to know God personally, on the count of three, would you raise your right hand high so I can see you? I want to pray for you too. One, two, all over this room if you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus. One, two, three, shoot your right hand high to the sky so I see you. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, ma'am. I see your whole family's hands lifted up, family over there in the corner. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. We're going to know God. We're going to know God. We're going to know God personally. Hey, let's all pray together whether you raise your hand or not. Everyone shout out, Father God, I love you too. And I'm coming back home. Today, I decide to begin a personal, intimate, authentic, real deal relationship with you. I love you. Forgive me and help me start brand new. In Jesus' name, I pray. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.